we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And uh, we're going to get into the viewer mailbag right here, close out this episode the only way I know how. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a few, you know, as, as expected. It's a lot of, I hate Dennis Allen. I hate Derek Carr. It's kind of the, the, the run of the place. Um, there was uh, one person said, what if we lose our final five games? What happens then? Well, I will say we only have four games to lose. They already won one. I'm still kind of looking at it as, you know, before last week, you win your final five games. That's why I'm, I'm kind of still phrasing it like that. But as Justin points out here, we do only have four games left. The host the Giants, visit the Rams, visit the Bucks, host the Falcons. So that's what you're looking at. The other one, Justin Pasquale says, uh, bummer about Miller out for the rest of the season. You think Robinson, who recently signed, will actually make an impact? I, I, I didn't, if I, if I misconstrued this in any way, Kendra is not out for the season. I did not in, intend for that to sound like he is out for the season, but you know, you're going into week 15 and he's been out for quite a while with that ankle injury. If there's a certain point where it's just like clearly a pretty significant injury that has been struggling to come back from. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just at the point where I'm not banking on him coming back. Foskey is, I I would think is a, is a one that I'm a little more concerned with in terms of not being available just because it's the same injury twice. If you, when you have an injury that keeps you out for two weeks and then you come back and you have the same injury again. It's just not good. And soft tissue stuff is complicated. Um, I just think, you know, th- those guys like that, I think that's why you bring in a James Robinson, right? Like a guy who has some familiarity with how NFL offenses work as opposed to a UDFA off the practice squad who, you know, I'm sure he's good to have on the practice squad, but it's not ex- exactly a guy who you're like, yeah, 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 he can, he can pick up the slack now. It, Cause if, if Jamal, for example, he's dealing with a groin injury right now, if that gets worse and he misses time, who's playing, who, who's playing behind Alvin <laughs> it can't just be Alvin. So I think that's where you're at with it. Uh, keeping it real who that sports podcast. I enjoy saying that. I don't know why. This is Jeff, your thoughts on Zach Bond now being used as an edge rusher. It seems and sounds like he's taking to playing his most natural position. So this is interesting to me because, yeah, I mean, it's just like, well, why wasn't this happening the whole time? Um, what Dennis Allen said this week, I think, is is part is a good kind of explanation for it in that, you know, without Caden Ellis, they needed Zach to be that Sam linebacker. And they had he had to focus on that and he had to do that. And I do think that kind of limits what you can do in terms of he's not just rushing the passer. He's lining up at edge rusher. Like he is lining up as a defensive end on pass downs, on obvious pass downs, not third and five on like third and nine. And he's just flying off and going after the quarterback. He can do that in part because this team has been really impressed with what they've seen out of Nephi Sewell over the last couple of weeks, or at least, you know, Nephi had to start against the Lions. And while, you know, you go through the tape and he had some rough moments early in that game, right? Like the first couple drives, that first drive in particular, you know, you could point and say, well, one of the reasons that they struggled to stop the run so badly was that he wasn't able to scrape over and make plays, right? Like he was getting caught up in blocks. He just, he kind of got lost in the wash a couple of times, particularly on that uh, long Jameer Gibbs run, he kind of wasn't able to get over and Alante Taylor missed the, missed the tackle. And obviously you saw what happened on the touchdown. Uh, David Montgomery, you know, he wasn't able to scrape over and blah, blah, blah. 
But as the game went on, as he got a little more comfortable, he started making plays. And I thought he was very impressive. And I think the team agrees with that. And so it by I think the idea is now if you're going to go to heavy, you know, base personnel kind of looks, where in the past it would have been P. Werner at the will, DeMario at the mic, and Zach at the Sam, the Sam linebacker spot. I think now they are more comfortable going with Nephi at the will. And then instead of adding in Zach, you just shift DeMario and 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 Pete over. And so you have a more athletic, maybe it's smaller, a less, a less, a less you know, run uh, effective, but a more athletic set of linebackers on the field who if they do, you know, they go hard play action and you end up in coverage, you're a little more comfortable with that. And I think with the way the NFL is trending, that makes more sense anyway. And it allows you to just just incorporate Zach in your game plan more as a pass rusher. And, you know, I think anyone could have, I've been saying this for two years now, I'd like to see Zach Vaughn be an edge rusher and fly off the ball and get upfield and tackle the quarterback. And one of the issues I've had with this team is they don't have enough speed on defense. And it's funny because I would, as a linebacker, as a pure linebacker, I would say Zach is one of the problems there. If he gets isolated in coverage, it's over. But when he's able to rush the passer, he is very athletic relative to that position. So I think it's great. I'd lo- I love to see more. Like I think he's going to end up earning a contract from a team that runs a 3-4 scheme because he makes sense as an outside linebacker, right? Like he's, he's always been an outside linebacker and the Saints drafted him because he fell and they're like, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Maybe we can make him fit. Um, but now they're kind of using him as, a, as an outside linebacker. It's funny because you're going to see the Giants and that's a team that probably would love to have Zach as an outside linebacker. But, you know, I know I think it's a, I think it is a very, a very nice, uh, you know, development this season as we've kind of had a necessity. And Justin says the same thing. And, and yeah, I mean, I think they always knew that he could do that. These haven't necessarily needed it. But when you don't have Marshawn, I think it does force you to get a little more creative, just like last year, as you uh, generate pressure. So I, I, I'm happy with it. Rose City D, you heard, uh, says, need them DEs to contain outside leverage. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because one of the things that, again, what Zach gives you is just athleticism. Like, he's going to be able to run guys down. And so maybe that, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen them really go against the true, I guess you could say, you could say Bryce is a mobile quarterback, but he's not a guy who's trying to run. He's just running out of necessity. And it's also an offense that just has receivers that can't get open. And he was able to make some things happen, but I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see how a matchup with Baker Mayfield, for example, will go with Zach getting an opportunity because Baker's not a guy who's going to outrun you, but he is a guy who's going to make you miss. And he was able to do that way too easily in that first matchup with the Bucks. And I think if you have Zach in there, it, it makes it, it makes it a little more difficult for him to do that. So uh, I am curious how these matchups go. And, and, and Desmond is a, is another example. Des is a good runner, but he's not the most athletic quarterback in the world. Like he's not going to, not going to outrun you uh, very often. He's going to, he's going to, find a seam and hit it. Um, but he did he, he did do that effectively in that week 12 matchup. Uh, Justin Pasquale says, realistically, I see us finishing three and one with our loss being to the Rams. Rams look good against the tough Ravens team. Think we win the division or sneak into the playoffs with a three and one finish. Well, that that's the thing. So when you talk about controlling your destiny, which the Saints technically can say right now, 
it's oh it's always kind of couched in you win all of your games and then you can get in well what happens when you bake in a loss right it means that you would need the bucks and falcons both to lose a game independent of the game that you beat them right because if you finish with the same record then I think you would lose both of those tiebreakers. It, you know, obviously there are there are things that could happen, but in order for you to win the tiebreaker, you would need them to lose another game anyway. So then, so the tiebreaker wouldn't really come into effect. So I think you could you could get to the postseason with a three and one record, and you know I don't think it's crazy to think that the Bucks and Falcons do both drop a game uh, over the next month, right? This is again we're not talking about the top end teams. We are talking about teams that have lost a lot of games and have been susceptible to putting out duds. And the Saints are right in that category too. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's probably the most likely in terms of if you're if you're looking at a game that is going to be difficult to win, it's that Rams game because you're going across country. It's an offense that can put up points. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and all these guys, uh, you know, Kyron Williams, they they this it's a talented offense. Um, but it is a susceptible defense. So can you maybe outscore them? Can Derek Carr play better? Those are all questions that you need to get an answer to. And uh, I know people don't think that last one's possible, but hey, you know, you, you can play the games for a reason. M. Nelson says, Jeff and Ross are the two most positive Saints media folks. I, I don't mind that. I don't. I mean, there's enough negativity in the world. I'm okay with with being cast as, as the, as the hopeless optimist. I think I, I, I I consider it to be more realism than, than, than just kind of blind optimism. I'm just being realistic about where the team is going to go. Like there's two, there's two ways you can go about it. You can either be the type that, that says what is the right path even if you don't know it, right? Like, like you, you can be hardliner. I know what's right, and I'm working. Then they have to do it this way, or they're wrong. Which, I mean, what? Who, who are you? Like, what do you? What do you know? Uh, <laughs> or you? I'd prefer to be right in the sense that I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. And this, the screen over my left is flickering for some reason. Don't ask me why. Um, like, I'd rather tell you what my read is and what I think is going to happen and what the team is going to do and the cards and the, the chips fall where they may. Right. And, and because, because I'm not a, you know, I don't, I don't see the future. I just tell you what I see and I, and I, and I call it how I see it um, as opposed to pretending that I have all the answers, then I don't. But I do think that it's become, it's become cool and, in vogue to just be angry and negative and toxic about everything about anything you don't like. And I don't, that's just not who I'm going to be. So if that's what you're waiting for, sorry, this is not the podcast for you, but I appreciate uh, everyone being here. This, this is a good example. Lehman park, you know, like it's always like this. It's like if I had an, if I had a, you know, a, like a, like if there was a mirror and on the opposite side of the mirror is, Everything I say is like in reverse. I think it would be 
Lehman Park. It's just I, our quarterback gives us no chance to win out. Pete Carmichael has no idea how to organize and coordinate his offense. Derek stares down his receiver, and no one corrects it in film study. Well, I mean, you, first, like this is the type of thing. It's like you really don't think that they that they have any idea what they're like. They're looking at it in film study and being like, "Well, no, you're doing everything perfectly. Nothing changes." Of course not. Of course not. What and, and the idea, like people, you know, one of the things that I think has created kind of this cult of negativity is the fact that they stream all the press conferences now. And it's not because like people shouldn't be privy to that information. It's just that there are certain ways that questions get answered that it's like you, you watch it and you're like, wow, they've got their head in the sand. They don't know what's going wrong. And it's like, no, they're just not going to tell you in a press conference like they're not going to go out there and say, yeah, Derek, fuck this up. You know, so-and-so fuck this up. No, <laughs> they're going to give you the company line. And I think when things aren't going badly and people are hearing that as opposed to like pre COVID, they wouldn't stream these interviews, right? Like we would, we would tell you what they said and we would interpret them. And, but now it's like people watch it and they're like, I can't believe you said that. And like, I can, because that's kind of how they answer these questions. You know, uh, like for example, like the, the Juwan Johnson uh, ball that tipped off his hands, right? Uh, if you, I, I went back and watched that for like the 400th time earlier today. And one thing I noticed for the first time is that if you look closely, if you watch the all 22, if you have access to it, you want to go watch it. I'll, I, I was going to tweet it, but I was just like, it's too much. I, I don't want to try to explain it, but he, he gets caught up on the, on the, <laughs> on the block. And as you see him come off, uh, you can see him adjusting his gloves. I think his glove got pulled off. Like as he's running that route, his glove kind of, and he's, he's adjusting it. And then he goes to catch it. And I just don't think he's focused because he's trying to figure out his gloves and the ball tips off his hands and goes for an interception. Now you can see that on film. And I assure you in the building, they're like, what happened? He's like, oh, my glove got pulled off, whatever. But no one's going to go out there and be like, he got his, his glove came off. Because that's going to be an excuse and that's going to be perceived as like they don't care. And it's going to be like that. We got to be better. So like, I think that's part of it is, is everyone's very exposed to everything that's being said all the time. And everyone has access to everything that's being said all the time. And so you can interpret it however you want. You can pick whichever version of the answer you want to take and use that. And, you know, uh, I, I just think that sometimes it gets it, that, 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 that gets Used in a negative way, um, and I'll leave it at that. Um, I Derek has not played well. I, I take that back. Derek has not played consistently well. There have been long stretches where you look at it and you're like, "Man, he could be better here. He should be better here. He should be better here." But there have been stretches where he's played well. Like there's this idea that he has been an unforgivable mess in every single game, and that just hasn't been true. You just haven't seen the consistency from him. And so the question is, how can you get him locked in and playing at a high level over these final four games? And he's done it before. Like the reason I brought up that stretch in 2021 is because not only did they go out and win those games, he drove the winning in those games. And so like this idea that he can't get it done, I think that's why it's frustrating because he can get it done. You've seen it in stretches just can't do it consistently and so that's the frustrating part but i do think that you know there's no reason to think that he can't raise his level of play over the final month of the season you just have to see it and but that's what annoys me is people have already given up on that as even a possibility as even a remote possibility to the point that if it happened i don't know how people would even perceive it 
right? Like they've already given up on it. Um, so I don't know. But either way, I appreciate you being here. Um, Justin Pasquale says, Taysom going to be back this week. The offense just seems so much more exciting and fun to watch him in there. I think he's going to try to get back this week. Um, he was limited today. I expect you'll, you'll, it's going to be, it's going to de- be determined by how he, how he manages practice this week, right? If he doesn't have a setback, I do expect him to be back. But what's going to end up happening probably is he's going to get back, but he's going to be limited and he's only going to get a handful of touches. And then he's going to be like, why didn't he get this touch and this touch? And it's like, well, he's not healthy. And I don't think you want to put him out there in a situation where he's just not able to protect himself, where he gets hurt worse. Because as we've said before, you know, the way he plays, he's taking big hits constantly. And uh, if if you if you don't feel like he can go out there and do what he needs to do to to protect himself with that foot, uh, then I wouldn't put him out there personally. But we'll have to see. It'll be something that comes Thursday and Friday. Keeping it real, who that sports podcast is. Can you give us any update on the return of Peyton Turner, Lattimore, Thomas? Well, you know, we won't know uh, in terms of Marshawn or Mike. You know, they're eligible to return for week 16. The problem is it's a Thursday game. So you're not, yeah, a lot of times you don't even practice in those Thursday, like in the buildup to those Thursday games. It's typically just walkthroughs. So if the idea is you need to get him back and see them go through practices, then that makes it very unlikely that, you know, you're going to get them back for that game. If they, if they're completely healthy and it's just very unlikely. So I would guess if you get either of them back, it is for week 17 and or week 18. And you go from there. Um, I haven't really heard any updates on either of them. I don't think there's been any setbacks in their kind of rehab. Um, ankle injuries are tough. We see that with Kendra right now. Like when you're dealing with a significant ankle injury, it can take a long time to kind of get right. Um, Mike is dealing with a knee injury. I will say that when you're when you're looking at a guy who's tweeting his his, his butt off like he's not on the team anymore, to me that indicates is a guy who probably doesn't feel like he's going to be coming back. But we'll see. Either way, it's like you got to win with the guys on the field. You got to do it this week, and you probably got to do it next week. So if you can get them back. Great, but at the at a certain point, you just got to move forward as if you don't have them and and figure it out. From Peyton Turner, he's been eligible to come back for quite a while now. Um, he's been around the team, seen him, saw him in the locker room the other day. You know, he's working. He's yeah, I think he's doing mostly just cardio stuff right now. I don't know. It's it's tough to gauge with with a guy like that, but he's trying to get back. It's not like they're if the question is whether they're packing it in and saying, see you next year. That's not the case. He's trying to get back. So there is a chance that maybe you see him back. Um, it's just a question of when they get, when they open his practice window. Uh, a couple more car plays like he doesn't trust his line and it shows, I don't understand how Carmichael hasn't figured out how to correctly run this offense, run, run, run. I hit him with a play action, uh, which is what, yeah. You know, the funny thing is you look at it in the saints offensive line and, and they haven't been great. Don't get me wrong. Like, but they're one of the they've allowed one of the lowest sack totals in the league. I think they've allowed 28 sacks on the season, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure that they had allowed 12 sacks through the first 3 weeks. So, nearly half of their total sacks allowed came in the first 3 weeks of the season. Then they've allowed 16 sacks over the last what is it? Uh how many games have they played? 13. So over the last 10 games, they've had 13 total sacks. Now you're doing things to help get the ball out quickly. Obviously, you've run the ball a little better. That helps. 
But yeah, I do think that I, you know, I, I almost think at points when Derek gets into trouble, it's almost that he trusts his offensive line too much, <laughs> you know, because like I don't, I don't think the issue is you are getting immediate pressure. I think the issue is you get pressure eventually. And sometimes you just need to make quick reads and get the ball out. You, you can't sit in the pocket and, and wait for someone to hit you. You have to, you have to make this, you have to be decisive. And I think when Eric, and and D- Derek are getting into it. What er- what's pissing Eric off is the offensive line feels like they are doing a pretty good job, and yet the they can only block for so long. Like eventually, someone's gonna beat their one on one and get through. And it's like if you're not getting the ball out, I can only do so much for you. You have to get the ball out. You can't just sit there and wait and wait and wait. You have to make a decision. You have to go. And I think that's more of the problem than maybe not trusting the O-line is, is, you know, there are points where it's like, just get the ball down the field. Like you can't just stare down a guy um, and, and then not make that throw. And I think that's been the problem more often than not. Uh, let's see. Brenton Bannister says, I disagree. Why settle for mid or purgatory? And I mean, I don't, I don't think it's settling. I think it's just a it's a process, right? Like there's this idea that it's not perfect right now, so you give up on it right now and you start over. And the, like, and I get it. People think it's going to be better, but I like I I need you to understand that it's that that better is not a guarantee, right? Like sometimes it's just okay. Is there progress being made? And you look at it and you're just like, I don't think there's enough progress being made. But how? It, where do you fix that? Do you fire everybody? Do you rebuild the offensive staff? Do you get a new play caller? Do you do, do you, or do you fire the head coach and start from scratch? Like it's all on the table, and I'm just not willing to, with four games left and a possible playoff appearance, be like, yeah, I burn it all down. That's that's where I'm at. I'm not settling for being mid, uh, but like that's kind of where you are, and. If you look around the NFL and you say like, well, I guess everyone's settling for being mid, <laughs> right? Like, well, I mean, so so here's the thing. It's like, oh, so you agree that he stares down the receiver too long and makes everybody look bad. Every quarterback makes mistakes, right? It's not always like, okay, he can only do this, right? So it's like, you, like you're seeing a guy who, when he's not playing well, he's doing certain things wrong. When he is playing well, he's doing certain things better, Right. Like, but there's this idea that it's absolute one way or the other, and it's not. It's get better in these parts of the game. And I do think there are points where he stares down his receivers, but he doesn't always stare down his receivers, <laughs> right? And you need a guy to play better. You know, like the the throw they made against the throw he made against the Falcons, right? Like that's a throw you need to understand. You need to understand what the free safety is doing. And if you don't, then bad things happen, right? If that happened again, I'd like to think that he would handle it differently, <laughs> right? Like, but that's where you see it. And and of course, of course, there's points in this season where you've seen him stare down his receiver and it and it has been a problem. But like you go into this the second and third quarter of that Lions game and you're seeing him make quicker decisions, seeing him get the ball out. You know, I I think uh, personally, I think that Derek plays me plays better when people are mean to him. 
<laughs> so I honestly don't mind the booing because I think I've changed my mind. I've 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 come around on it because I think he's a guy that when people are being nice to him, he doesn't do well. I think when when Eric McCoy is like like buck the buck the hell up and he bucks the hell up, right? When he's pissed off that he's getting booed coming on and off the field, suddenly he's playing better. Um so I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the key. Maybe he's just the type of person that that needs to get someone to slap him in the back of the head before he runs on the field. But you can't give him any warning. He's got to do it without him knowing it's coming. And then he'll get mad and then it'll be like, lock in. I don't know. I don't know. Some people are weird. Maybe he's weird. Well, see, you know, it's funny. Mithra, Mithra Pai, I don't even know if I'm saying that. It says, it's more like when we see, we watch the games than the pressers. Well, well, sure. Right. Like, I, if it was all about the games, then then I would feel differently about the the criticism. And, and you know, part of it's like social media versus versus like fans in the stadium. Right. And when, when you see fans in the stadium and they're booing and it's like, it's typically like a, a performance thing. The only time that in that last game that I, that I took exception to a boo was the first drive when they got down into the red zone and they settled for a chip shot field goal. And it's like, if we're booing that. If we're booing that, then there's no winning. It's like, yeah, sure. It didn't go perfectly, but it's also like a successful drive for points and we're booing. Now there was a lot of drives that ended with booze and I'm like, yep, you got it. You are correct. That was bad. Um, <laughs> but like there's the toxicity that exists on like social media. And like, if you watch the chat for these press conferences, it's like, guys, come on. You know, he's being asked a question and responding to it, but there's no right answer. You know, uh, and that's what frustrates me because it's like it's the guy's not an axe murderer, you know. It's just the guy. He's just a football player. <laughs> and like you see, like what what bothers me the most is when you see like his his family members getting harassed, like his wife getting harassed on social media. Like, it's like come on, this is like you can be mad about the football team and not just be terrible. But that's that's just that's just where I have. I think we talked about this early on. And so, you know, the Brenton Bannister brings up a question and I think it's a good question. I think it's one we can end on. It says, what happens if we go 0-5 these last few weeks? And it's 0-4, but whatever. Like the when I say 5-0, and I mean 5-0 and starting with the Panthers game because that's what we were talking about before. But if you go 0-4, if you lose all four of these games, then all bets are off. You know, like, like I think, but that's kind of where I'm at is like, I want to see what happens before I make determinations on like who has to go, what has to change. You know, I think like I've already kind of come to terms with the fact that I think you need to rebuild your offensive staff in some way, regardless of what happens. You can go for no, you you can figure it out. But I just think what you've seen this season is the offense needs to evolve beyond what you have. And it can that can include pieces that exist now. I think Cody Burns is a good coach. I'd like to keep Cody Burns around, right? I think Joel Thomas is a good coach. I'd like to keep Joel Thomas around, right? I think Michael Hodges is a good linebacker's coach. I really want to retain him. I think Ronald Curry is a good quarterback's coach. I'd like to retain him. But I do want to find a way to to get this offense to be more modern. And it, and that doesn't mean like you're just you're just accepting Derek Carr as the future of you your the position at quarterback, but I do think that he's going to be here regardless. So you have to find a way to bridge that. But if you go if you go three and one, if you go four and zero, oh, then that makes you know it, it puts you in a position where it's like no, maybe we don't have to burn so much of it down. Maybe we just make some critical changes in places where clearly things didn't go well. Offensive line coach, I don't think that has gone particularly well, right? 
you know, it, 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 that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Now, if you go 0 and 4, if you finish 6 and 10 or 6 and 11, I should say, you know, then, yeah, then you're in trouble. Then you have gone backwards. And that's, that can't be acceptable. Now, if you go 2 and 2 over these last four games and you finish 7 and 10 again, that's, that's tough. Um, I'm sorry, that would be eight and nine. If you go one and three, you're seven and ten. Two and two, you're eight and nine. I, I still, I think that means you, you make, you, you look at how that went, and the context is going to matter. But I do think there's a chance that you just start fresh. Um, I think it's more likely that you end up at nine and eight, ten and seven, and and you're making that determination based on how you looked in those games. But I guess I just. Everyone wants to, me to come out here and say, like, yep, regardless, doesn't matter. I, we, the decision should and has already been made. Um, kind of like the Patriots, right? Like, they've already kind of made their decision, and they'll just wait until the end of the season to tell you. But this isn't a three-win team, right? Um, so I, I think that's where you're going. But, you know, like, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really like Dennis Allen as the head coach, personally. But that doesn't mean, like, I'm going to sit here and trash the guy relentlessly, um, that's just kind of my personal opinion. And I think there's better options out there. I think it, but I do think it's more likely that you look at it and you say, well, we do want this defense to continue to operate at a high level. We do want to keep this trajectory in certain areas. So could we, you know, and, and like last year, one of the reasons I wanted them to try to bring in Eric B because I think you need a rock star offensive coordinator when you have a defensive head coach. And right now you don't have anything remotely close to that. And so, in my mind, if you can find a way to get this to a level that's acceptable and you can upgrade an offensive coordinator and kind of make that as head coach B, like, you know, head coach 1A, head coach 1B, which is kind of what you really want it to be, then I think you're in a better position. So that's that's my roundabout answer to answer that question. But I'm sure I'm sure that's that's not satisfactory for for a lot of people. But. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for chiming in, leaving a comment, leaving a question. One of these months, I'll get my Wi-Fi figured out, but not today. Um, <laughs> I had someone ask last week if I was hardwired, and then I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try hardwiring through my Wi-Fi extender. And I'm sure based on uh, the, the one bar that I have, it's been freezing again. Um, if not, great. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly keep doing that, but... We'll see. Either way, thanks, everybody. Kudak, go Saints. We'll be back on Friday with our preview edition. Let's do it. Peace out, y'all.